When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning and welcome. We're live from Charm Haven. And uh, Buttes, welcome to the beautiful north end of the Central Coast. Gary Birkinshaw with us as well from Central Coast Cricket. Uh, Buttes, firstly to you, good morning, mate. Great to see you. Steve-O, a very good morning to you and, of course, to Burko and our listeners. Great to be here. I love BJ Housemental and they're a great company. You know, they've been born and bred on the Central Coast. What is it, over 40 years, steve Yeah, fantastic story. Uh, yeah. Butes, uh, can I paint a picture for our listeners? You may. You, uh, you look like you're pulling a bank job this morning. You came in like <laughs> one minute before the show, as per normal, but you've come loaded with notes after the uh, Ashes test oh, is underway mate, at the Gabba. the cricket is happening. How good is it? Uh, Burko, how are you feeling, mate, after uh, three enthralling days and a fight back from the English yesterday and... Joe Root still at the crease, of course, and uh, also um, it's um, Milan, Milan. Yeah, Darwood. Darwood, no. Darwood. Yeah, yeah fa- fantastic to see uh, a little bit of a fight back because we don't want a one-sided test, do we? Yeah, g'day, Steve. G'day, Butch. Yeah, look, it was a really good fight back after the first day. It looked like the game could be all over in three days, but uh, look, uh, Joe Root and Darwood, Milan look very, very comfortable at the crease and. Uh, yeah, it'll be a big test for Australia today. They'll need to, to break that partnership up earlier, but I think if they can do that, I think uh, yeah, they, they should be able to wrap the rest of the innings up. It's what test match cricket is about, isn't it? Like, you, we saw the Aussies, and what a ball that was, that first ball from Mitchell Stark. He couldn't get, you know, a better start to the Aussie series. And then they absolutely demolish the Poms. They come out the second day, flog them in the, uh, with the bat, and then, to their credit, the... Uh, the Poms have been able to turn it all around and, uh, you know, they're going to make a game of this or a contest. And there's 180 overs to go, so there's plenty of time uh, for the game to go either way. I sent a message to Lauren Smith, a three-time premiership winner in the WBBL, and I said, once we get this new ball, we're going to skittle them, right? Uh, do you agree, Burko? Yeah, I think it's been a new ball wicket, so if they can make an early breakthrough, I think it'll be hard to come in and establish yourself still on that uh, on the wicket there. But on the other side, you know, I don't think Australia would like to be chasing, say, 150 on the, mm. on the last day. If, uh, if, if Joe Root and David Milan, if they're still there for the new ball and able to get through it, they could then put a decent total that Australia, you know, those little tricky totals that Australia haven't done real well in the past chasing. Uh, what about Josh Hazelwood? What, what, what are you hearing? What's the status? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't understand it. You know, he's, he's been very, very good at, at uh, dismissing Joe Root in the past, and uh, he went three hours without bowling. I think he only bowled something like eight overs in the day. So whether there's something there, a little niggle or not, I don't know. And the reason I say that is he's only bowled eight overs, uh, four maidens, none for 13. But there's got to be a question mark why we haven't used one of our spearheads. Yeah, look, clearly there's something wrong, whether it, there is an injury of some sort, because you wouldn't not bowl him. Especially with you know what he's been, he's you know arguably one of the best bowlers in the world at the moment, uh, and has troubled Joe Root as you said, Burko. So uh, you know, it, you know there is something that's not quite right with uh, Hazelwood at the moment, and hopefully he's able to address that and uh, come out firing today. 
What about some of the players England left out? A couple of players oh. with over a thousand wickets between them. Wow. Wow, uh, Burgo, talk to me. <laughs> Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad. What are they thinking? Are they thinking about saving him? Like, I don't know, but that pitch was ideal for both of those, those first couple of days. Yeah, you're dead right. But even forget about the pitch and forget about everything. It's the first day, first test of an Ashes series. Correct. Right? Surely, who? imagine having that conversation with them, you know, tapping them on the shoulder and say, yeah. uh, Jimmy and Stuart, we probably might give you a rest this game. We'll save you for the next We're one. We're saving you. Well, no, no, no. Let's get a good start here. Like, I just, it beggars belief that they've made that decision. And, you know, I think it reflected in the fact that, you know, Australia scored 400-odd runs and did it quite comfortably. Yeah. Hey, and, you know, there was players that missed out who shouldn't have. Hey, boys, we're about to go to Lauren Smith. But mm. first, let's relive one of the great moments of this first Ashes Test match at the Gabba. This is Travis Head and his ton on day two. What's he got in store? Head on 97. Wokes puts it up there. He on drives. He beats mid on. And the first century of the series belongs to Travis Head. He did it in his own style. A rollicking affair. He has an Ashes 100 to his name. He kisses the crest and shouts with glee. Yeah, great commentary there. And, uh, Berko, you've got some fast facts on his knock. Yeah, that's innings century come up in, in 85 balls, which was the third fastest, third fastest Ashes yeah. Test 100. And I spoke to you before the show. I reckon for Travis Head, I reckon it's a career-defining innings. You know, in any sport you have, Buttes, is that it's just you know, one performance can actually set you up for a career. And Australia took his contract off. He didn't give him a, an actual contract at the beginning of the year. Well, you think about the selections that, you know, only two weeks ago, there was question marks over that number five spot. And, you know, he's made it his own now. Uh, with that performance, and to his credit, it was a fantastic knock uh, and very much needed when you consider Steve Smith, uh, I thought probably would be disappointed in the fact that he missed out on a good wicket the score runs on. Uh, but that performance by Travis Head, outstanding. And what I did like was the fact that uh, Cummins stayed around for a bit, Stark clearly stayed around for a bit, and Lyons, and, and which enabled him the chance to get you know a further 50, 60-odd runs which certainly helped the Australian uh, scorecard and get them over that 400 mark. Yeah, look, there was a, certainly a target from the Australian batsman to go straight after Leach, the spinner. Oh, yeah. You know, he went for 95 off 11, 11 overs, and straight away, first of all, it was Dave Warner went after him. And even Steve Smith, as soon as he came out, he went straight after him as well, which is not Steve Smith's normal game. But uh, So obviously a, a pre-tactic there. But the other thing with Travis Head, to have an aggressive player come in at number five yep. can really change the momentum of the game. Uh I sent you a text message. If you're going to wear a woolen vest in 30-degree temperatures in Brisbane in summer, you deserve to be tonked over the fence with a, with a couple of sixes. But uh, we've got uh, some audio right now back at headquarters. This is Travis Head when he actually got dismissed for 152. Can't hang on. Oh, the indignity of it all. Head's back right away and he's been bowled. Bottom of middle stump. A little anti-climax to that at the end, but he pushed his luck one too far. Exposed the stumps and Wood was good enough to hit them. Travis mm. Head's quite astonishing stand ends. All business as he leaves the middle. He's been all business since he arrived. That's an innings that will live long in the memory. Australia all out for 425. So there we go, uh, commentary from one of the greats, Jared Waitley. Hey, uh, we've kept this young lady waiting far, long too, far yes. too long. Let's rise as one. 
Standing ovation there he goes. for Lauren Smith, three-time Premiership winner in the WBBL. Lauren, good morning. Welcome back to our show. Hey, guys. And what, what have you made of uh, the opening Ashes Test at the Gabba? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been yeah, an absolute river of a start. I was actually, um, for day one, I was actually on the golf course with Alyssa Healy, would you believe it? So, um, yeah, we're on the 14th hole when the whole thing was kicking off and, you know, she had the phone going when... Um, one of our partners was, was chipping on the green and then she let off this big hoo-ha because of the first <laughs> wicket with that, that first ball. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, what what a great first series. Uh, hopefully we have a really good day today and, you know, skittle them and then get those, um, yeah, get those points on the board for us. Lauren, are you like cricket tragics? Do you like you girls <laughs> tune in and watch the Ashes? Are you as passionate about as, you know, most guys are watching the cricket who are just crazy fanatics are you girls similar in terms of the way you watch the game i know you you know you've got your own careers etc but do you love watching the men's uh and, and this Asher series i think we do yeah a lot of us um girls really do you know love watching uh the boys play you know they they get around um us uh, the women's cricket really well so um you know we we give it back to them and i mean who cannot get it go around you know watching the ashes as well so yeah there's there's just so much cricket on these days. You know, we watch the Ashes all day and then you have the big bash at night. So, um, yeah, it's getting a little bit of a workout, the Cricket Channel, I think. Oh, Channel 7, they're getting flogged, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, Lauren, yeah. As, a, as an off-spinner, we've got uh, Nathan Lyons sitting on 399 wickets, which seems to be an eternity, really. Mm. Any advice that you could give him to try and help him get that 400th wicket? Well, I think I actually did message him before the test and I was like, come on, you have to turn them sideways and all this kind of stuff. And... Uh, I think he's in a really good place, and yeah, obviously um, the the England the England boys are just batting really well uh, the last day, and uh, hopefully he'll get that wicket um, maybe today early morning. Hey, what about what about what about this, Lauren? Uh, Burko told me before we came on the air some key numbers with the Australians between certain overs. Tell us more, Burko. Yeah, so during last season's um, series against India, and it comes back, I think, to Australia's lack of red ball cricket is. It, they really struggled to take wickets between the 30th over and the, the new second new ball being mm. taken. I think Mitchell Stark's taken just the two in last series. And Nathan Lyon only took five wickets in last the last India series between the 30th mm. and second new ball, which is when they should when Nathan should really be coming into his own. Yeah, oh, I, I just don't really know. I think, um, yeah, it's obviously a really big ask uh, only having that one uh, you know, leading spinner uh, with Gaz. I think, um, yeah, the Aussies might be missing a trick with, you know, another leggy or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, they're just obviously matching up against some really quality batters these days. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, cricket's just moving forward really well. And um, But Gaz is in a really good place, and I'm sure he'll get this wicket really soon, I think. I find that an interesting stat, Gaz, when you think about uh, how successful the Aussie side have been to think that they've mm. had so few wickets between that, like, you know, that's six, what is it, tw- uh, 55 overs that they have between that 30th over and the new ball uh, where they can get access to it. But they've still had plenty of success. So, um, it, it, obviously, it's a clear indication of how dangerous those, you know, frontline bowlers are, the Stark, the Cummins and Hazelwood with that new ball, and um, I guess we're just waiting for that time when the new ball comes. But they certainly need to uh, slow the run rate down because the Poms are, what, they're 50-odd runs behind at the moment, uh, Lauren, and uh, they've put themselves in a really good position considering where they were after day one. 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, maybe the first few days they were just warming up. I know they've had a you know, really uh, tough start coming out of that quarantine. A few of their practice games were uh, washed out. So I think, yeah, they're starting to warm up now and they still have you know, plenty of bats to come uh, with Stokes and, and Ollie Pope. So, yeah, hopefully we can get a, a few wickets early this morning, I think. You know, they had to show something. They yeah, really yeah. had to draw a line Correct. in the sand. Uh, let me throw this out to everyone. The ex-Gabba curator who was there for decades, Kevin Mitchell, who you may have met in your time, Burko, uh, he's come out and said that the English made a woeful decision uh, that they should they should have bowled first up. What are your thoughts? Oh, look, gee, it was a very sporting wicket first up, wasn't it, on the first day? So we, we've said a lot about the England batting in the first innings, but on that wicket against a, a high-quality Australian fast-bowling attack, I, I reckon there's a lot of batting sides in the world who would have struggled on that. And Correct. But, but Joe Root, I think he was... He was on a hiding to nothing anyway. You know, England in the past have won the toss, sending Australia in a bat, and they've put 450 on the board in the first inning. So I think they got a little bit spooked by that. Um, but then I, I think the wicket was probably a little bit more sporting. I think if he had his time again, he probably would have, he would have sent him in. And I wonder if the decision would have been different if he had Anderson and Broad in the side. Yes, yeah. correct. Mm. They're even comparing the decision to... Uh, NASA Hussein back in 2002. Butte? Yeah, well, you know, again, hindsight's a beautiful thing, you know. But I would suggest that when you win the toss, the majority of the time you're batting first, Burko. So, you know, you can't be critical of a guy that, you know, that it was a, you know, clearly now looking at it, the Aussies absolutely demolished them with the ball. And, Lauren, I'm just curious about um, getting away from the test match for a minute, the BBL. Uh, has kicked off and, you know, the Sixers had a great start against the Stars. Uh, we saw last night the Stars come back and beat the Thunder. Yeah, hold your, hold your oh, Thunder yeah, okay. there, Mutes. Hold right. your Thunder. We're off to a break. Oh, gotcha. we'll, we'll come back with Lauren and discuss all of that in a couple of moments' time. Uh, on our way to the break, let's have a listen to how last night unfolded. Came down to the final over, the final ball. Thunder versus the Stars. Here's the audio. Zamperin cutting on strike. There's an edge! It doesn't matter. Zampa got one straight through, cutting. I don't think he touched it. But Held a dot ball. Nerve. A dot ball wins the game for the Stars on the final ball. Well done, Adam Zampa. That is a great over under pressure. A leg spinner, Sam, to bowl the last over. Needing 11, he goes one, two, one, one, one dot. Take a bow, Adam Zampa. There is no bigger pressure than that. And he is delivered for the Melbourne Stars. They had no right to win that game. The Sydney Thunder have stolen defeat from the jaws of victory. And the Stars get a win in front of their home crowd. One that they should never have had. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, we're live from BJ Howes at Charm Haven Saturdays on the coast. Steve Allen, Michael Butner, who played almost 300 National Rugby League games, and the great Gary Birkinshaw is joining us. Burke, I just noticed your phone cover. The Richmond yeah, Tigers. Yeah, Richmond Tigers. I noticed that myself. Yeah, mate. A very passionate Richmond supporter. So I went through a few... Uh, actually, went through a lot of... Very, lean very, years. Lean years. It's been good. The, you know, the last five years have uh, been pretty good. Yeah, and you know there was a period there where they almost boned Damien Hardwick. And I keep saying, Buttes, you've got to have a, you've got to have stability. 
in the top job. It would have been too easy for the Tigers to bone Hardwick. Of course. And then, then they win two in three years. You know what happens at most clubs, organisations, whatever it may be. The inmates run the asylum. Correct. And they just panic and they go, they want this success overnight. And it just doesn't happen, unfortunately. You know, you think about what happened with Penrith. It took Gus Gould seven years to get him to that point, And he actually left two years ago. And you've still seen this flow-on effect. But and the building blocks were in place. Correct. And this will, you'll see this happen at the Bulldogs. You know, he's starting to you know, plant you know, the foundations of what's going to be a strong club again, which will be, for you, very, very pleasing. Yeah, he's got and, the jacket and, on. He's got and the... I, I see, mate, you brought the Canterbury Bulldogs hat. Yeah, it's been sitting in my car, and I felt really bad because I just felt you were almost walking around naked without <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, what about the hat I've got on? Yeah, the holistic fitness. There it is. Yeah, run by Rosie Stimson at, mm. at Tawoon Bay. Uh, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, first thing in the morning at the crack of dawn as the sun rises. What are we doing? A bit of yoga you, or a bit of... You could be doing a fitness session with... Uh, outstanding young athlete, Rosie Stimson. Gotcha, a bit of crouching tiger or yeah, something like that. Yeah, a- absolutely. Hey, uh, here at BJ Howes, just want to give a shout-out to Scotty and Josh. They're running the show here. They've got a bunch of super specials. Burko, one of them is the Gasless Welder. Gasless Welder, it's three ninety-five, but they said they could maybe do it for three fifty if you come in and mention SEN. What kind of things we're going to be making with that? I could just visualise beauty, you know. I reckon he'd be out the back in the garage. I reckon he'd make some lovely story tracks. I reckon it'd be really good. I could just imagine beauty on the welder. God. I just, I think it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a match. I'm so glad you asked Burke out what he could make with it, and yeah. didn't ask me because yeah, well, I wouldn't have a clue. Well, I've got a couple of things I want to do over Christmas yeah. when we're on a break, and uh, you know, one thing I've always thought I might dabble in is like a a brewery. So right. I might, a bit of a homebrew. might do some big steel vats. Uh, what, what do you think, Burko? Am I painting a picture? You are painting a picture. I like the brewery part. Steve-O's that, Lager. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's a, a ring to that, isn't there? There's a ring to that, yeah. Yeah, so you can do that all with a welder from BJ Howes. And the super special is mm. the but- butcher's knives. They're normally over $100. In fact, uh, they've been slashed to 95 I've seen these babies. Everyone needs these butcher's knives. This summer. This time of year, surely. Like, you got your hams, your turkeys, your whatever else you're having yep. for Christmas. Lunch, dinner, whatever it may Look, be. Look, I think they normally retail for about 135 They've been slashed. Slashed, slashed. to 95 Let's go straight back to Lauren Smith right now. We want to talk BBL. And, Lauren, maybe we'll pick up the conversation that we had off the air about the fact that there's just not enough star power at the moment. How do you feel? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. So, um, yeah, there's just some of the teams are getting rolled for, um, yeah, under 100. I don't know what's going on, whether it's just really quality bowling or just some really, really bad shots. So, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But, yeah, maybe they have to recruit uh, elsewhere or, yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with, with the boys, I think. Lauren, we talked about it just off air and I was mentioning that I felt that the BBL had a great little window probably about three or four years ago, the first probably six, seven seasons, maybe eight seasons, where mm. they they did the school holiday thing, right? And kids were going to the games. It created this FOMO where you didn't want to miss out on, on seeing a BBL game. Uh, I think yep. they got a little bit greedy, Cricket Australia, with extending the season. Uh, and, you know, you, you're not seeing the crowds. You're not seeing the big-name players anymore. Uh, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think, you know, we saw that first game with the Sixers and the Stars where the Sixers absolutely demolished the Stars just based on the fact that 
They had no. I reckon I could have bowled better, Adam. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. The, the, they, were, they were bowling right arm runs. For like, our listeners who missed it, uh, the Sixers four for two thirteen off their twenty overs, and the Melbourne Stars off eleven point one. They were they were well, knocked over for sixty one. Sixty one, and like it's the biggest victory in BBL history. One hundred and fifty odd runs. Yeah. Just you know, hard to believe that you know teams could be that far apart in a twenty over match. Mm. Hey, when you look at the I, scheduling. I yeah, I think yep. it's the scheduling because um, I've heard that there has been too many games. Uh, they want to try and cut back on the games so some of those Aussie players can come and play. Um, you know, that's where they get all the crowds in and all the money and all that hoo-ha. Uh, the Sixers, mm. when they get um, Nathan Lyon and, and Steve Smith back and, and Josh Hazelwood and all those big names, um, that's where they get bums on seats uh, at the SCG and all that kind of business. So I think, yeah, Cricket Australia are just missing a little a little trick there, I think. And you look also there, Lauren, is that yeah, you're looking for the big big stars from overseas to come out and play in it. But if you're not going to get the Australian players playing in it, and you even look now, we've got an Australian A game going up against the, the BBL. So not only the test players, you've got another 12 players who are playing in an Australia A game. And if you're asking you know, the best international players to come and play in a tournament that effectively goes for 40-odd 40 40 odd days or more to play in that mm. uh, they don't pay they don't they're not the big big money pay, payers either Australian BBL compared to other other nations T20 competitions and I just found out during the week that the United States are about to start one Dubai are about to start a, a T20 competition so there's plenty of competitions to the BBL which had its own window really now and they haven't got it anymore mm. yeah exactly so and it was perfect timing it's over Christmas, over New Year, that's when people have off. Uh, perfect time, to, you know, for families to go out and watch, um, you know, some of these big-name cricketers. And, yeah, I think, yeah, Cricket Australia just, yeah, they haven't got something right here, I think. Yeah, there's almost like a bit of a saturation, unfortunately. And, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, I love my cricket, but there's a bit of a saturation at the moment. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's working. They've got to probably rethink about how they're going to go about this. Double header tonight, Sydney Sixers versus the Hobart Hurricanes. Perth scorches up against Adelaide Strikers. And tomorrow, the Thunder and Stars do it all again. That game at 7.15. Hey, Lauren, you're in action this weekend. Is that correct? Uh, yes. So I'm playing great cricket down at Sydney for the Northern District. Um, yeah, so that all kicks off Yeah, tomorrow at 10, at 10, a, at 10 a.m. Who's part of your team? Anyone we know? Yeah, so I have uh, I recruited big Stella Campbell. She plays for the Sixers um, and, yeah, for New South Wales Breakers as well. So I was, I was pretty sick of facing her in the net. Uh, one of the quickest bowlers uh, in female cricket at the moment. So why not recruit her on my own team, I think? <laughs> Good idea. Loz, the WNCL, yeah. the women's 50-over competition starting next Friday. Are we like to, likely to see you participate in that competition? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go down to Melbourne. Um, I don't know if the, uh, the Victorians have a full-strength lineup with Meg Lanning and, and Sophie Molyneux, but, um, yeah, we're looking pretty fit to go. Alyssa Healy, Rachel Haynes, uh, Ashley Gardner. So hopefully I get a little run around down there at um, the Junction Oval and, and we can get two wins over a really strong Victorian team, I think. Yeah, also, you mentioned Sophie Molyneux. Bad, bad news about her during the week with a, a foot injury is going to keep her out of the ashes and on the back of that, Georgie Wareham. So maybe, Loz, a couple of very good performances there. Put your name in uh, in uh, in front of the Australian selectors. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm in pretty hot form here at the Nets at the moment, so I just want to get out there in the park and and um, you know show those selectors what I've got. And yeah, hopefully there's a few spots up for grabs in those um, Aussie colours against the Poms. So yeah, hopefully I can get a little run around and um, yeah, call up. Maybe we'll see. 
Yeah, what nets are you in? Are you in the SCG nets or the ACOC Park uh, nets at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm actually down at uh, Narara at Alan Davidson. I'm watching my sister uh, play. So mm. uh, there's a few nets here where I've been giving her a few throwdowns, and I think it works because she has to retire on, um, I think, maybe 30 yachts. So, yeah, oh, I, nice I, I work. say that I'm a pretty good coach, I think. <laughs> Lauren, I'd like to see you throw the arm over against Steve-O in the nets. Get him pulled oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Just sure. a couple of, have to get Yeah, I'd like to see that, Steve-O. Let's do that over the Christmas break. Well, and, and I'm going to throw a couple down at you too. Well, a bit of a comedy yeah. routine. Oh, no, mate. No comedy, mate. Let's hey, just see you go. Steve-O made 11 not out circa, <laughs> and I know Bluey will love this, <laughs> circa 1980. You know, you know, the biggest mistake I made as a cricketer, Yeah, I was in Mount Isa. We lived there for about six months. And I showed up. I was raring to go. It was during World Series cricket. I had the poster on the wall. You know, Viv Richards. Who did you want Gordon to be? Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Haynes. Max uh, Walker. Jeffrey Dujon. Oh. Uh, and the great Aussie team as well. But when we arrived, they said, who wants to go 12th man? Oh. And I didn't. But no one put their hand up. And because I was the new kid in town, I thought, oh, all right, I'll do it. And I reckon that was my downfall. That's kosher. If, if I'd have gone out that day and just swashbuckling, things, things could have been different. That's, a, sli- different. that's a sliding doors moment. You yeah. could have been, you could be an Australian, a great Australian cricketer. Well, but I, ha- I haven't got many regrets. But that, that was one of them. <laughs> that show of humility cost me dearly. The, hey, miss, the missing BBL star power. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Hey, Loz, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck tomorrow. Good luck with the uh, National League, although we may get you on next week because you, you're working beautifully. Oh, perfect. Yep. Anytime, guys. Thanks so much. I think we've unearthed another star. Another star, yeah. We keep doing that here. Burko's a star. Absolutely. Lauren's a uh, star. Let's go to the news. Loz, uh, best wishes. We'll talk to you soon. Off to the news. We're back with Yaron Souza, the goalkeeper from the Central Coast Mariners. Uh, this is devastating news. He filled in last week for Mark Birigidi and got injured against MacArthur. Looks like he'll spend a, a lengthy amount of time on the sideline. We'll find out more in a few moments' time. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Good morning. Hope you're enjoying the weekend so far. We're live from BJ Howes at Charm Haven. Oh, heart close. Love it here. My first time at BJ yes. Howes at the north end of the coast. Normally we're at Lizaro, but uh, fantastic location here. I've got to say, this whole area is absolutely booming. So much, so much plan for the future, including a, an aquatic centre. I believe there's a new school going in. There's talk maybe of an indoor athletics centre, which we've spoken about on yes, our show previously. Yes, we have, we have. So, but you know what, it's a beautiful area up here. You know, and it's obviously, when you think about the Central Coast, or in particular that Gosford, Erina, Terrigal, Wombrel, etc., like... There's no, there's no more land there, and this is the only way you, you know, get this urban sprawl, and it's moving up here, and you're still close enough to the beach, and you've got everything that you need here. Um, and like you said, Steve, they they are planning for you know this area to really take off, and I have no doubt it. It'll be, yeah, somewhere where lots of people will be living <laughs> in the future. That's <laughs> well, all I know. Well, where, 
Where we are, Buttes, around about 15 minutes from stunning Lake Macquarie. Yep. Four times the size of Sydney Harbour and a really well-kept secret. Just gorgeous up there. Hey, let's go live now to our next guest. Uh, waiting patiently on the line, the Mariners goalkeeper, Yaron Souza, who uh, came on in the FFA Cup and also played against MacArthur before, uh, before he succumbed to injury. Yaron, good morning, mate. Thank you for your time. Good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, we're well. And uh, like I said, you came on in the FFA Cup against the Wollongong Wolves and uh, a win there for the Central Coast Mariners, a come-from-behind victory, and then a setback for you against MacArthur. Just tell us where you're at and how long you'll be on the sideline for. Yeah, it was, uh, it's was. it been an eventful past couple of weeks. Um, you know, as a goalkeeper, it's never easy getting subbed on the game. So, unfortunately, Beer is for a red card uh, early in the game, and uh, I found myself out on the pitch and um, I think going down to 10 men, one nil down, um, the, the boys showed a lot of character to, to come back and uh, you know, get a win in the FFA Cup, but it, it meant that his red cards carried over to the league, which uh, gave an opportunity for me. So, um, yeah, prepared all week and then uh, unfortunately uh, in the 20th minute of the, the MacArthur game in the A-League, um, yeah, my, uh, my hip flexor, so my top of my quad just... Uh, gave way. Um, I was I was distraught because obviously I've waited a long time for that opportunity. Um, the goalkeeper is such a niche position that you just don't know when your opportunity is going to come. Um, and it came, and yeah, it was just devastating to be struck down by injury. Um, I've uh, gone and got some scans, and it's pretty serious. I've torn it off the bone, so um, need Jeez. to see a couple of specialists to um, get. Uh, an exact uh, duration for the injury, but I'll be out for um, a fair few weeks, that's for sure. Oh, Yaron, we, we feel for you, mate, because you played so well when you came on uh, in place of Mark Birigidi in Wollongong, and, you know, everyone here is groaning when you spoke about the injury, Buttes. Yeah, just curious, how, how did it happen, mate? Were you kicking the ball? Were you jumping? Were you diving? Uh, how did that... Because yeah. it sounds like a horrendous injury to, to do, you know... I'm just trying to work out how it all come out. Yeah, exactly. So the the day before the game, um, it's a bit of routine for me. I do a bit of kicking just to you know get my eye on the ball. And um, when I, I had a had a kick, um, I uh, felt a little bit of a twinge, like a little bit of soreness in my quad. Yep. Um, didn't really think much of it. We always have bits of tightness and you know uh, soreness. Um, so I just got a bit of treatment and you know just painkillers and stuff like that. So going into the game, I had. A little bit of a niggle there, um, but didn't really stop me. Got through the warm-up and everything was fine. But in the, in the moment, I think it was the 15th minute of the game or something, I uh, went to pass the ball to uh, the centre-back, to Rouen, and as soon as I passed it, it felt like I'd been shot by a sniper, to be honest. It felt like uh, an instant uh, sharp pain in my leg. So um, just speaking to the specialist and the surgeon, I think that was the moment that it... Uh, Mm. Yeah, it popped. It basically got pulled off the bone. So it was yeah, a bit of bit of soreness, and then it just completely went in the game. Uh, Yaron, we want to talk about tomorrow night. Massive game against Sydney yes. FC. But for for our listeners who may not have uh, heard of you before, I know you've joined the club this year, but previously with Melbourne City. And is it true you also played... Did you play in Turkey as well? Yeah, I've had a bit of an unorthodox journey across a few continents. Um, I was at Melbourne City through my uh, youth days and worked my way up to the senior team there. Then went overseas to Turkey, to Istanbul Başakşehir, 
who's in the Super League in Turkey, which was a fantastic opportunity too. They were playing Champions League at the time, um, got loaned out to one of their sister clubs. So I had a bit of a stint in Turkey for a couple of years. Also went to Malaysia um, in the Super League there. So um, spent some time in Asia and then, yeah, found myself back in Australia. I wanted to be closer to home and um, yeah, got, uh, came to Mariners and uh, yeah, fantastic club. And, you know, I think we had a good start to the season with the FFA Cup and the, um, you know, beating Newcastle away in the derby, but a um, couple of unlucky results. But I think the team is, is all pumped up and we're ready to go for uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night's game. We're talking to Yaron Souza, goalkeeper with the Central Coast Mariners. Yaron, when you're in Turkey, you would have come up against one of the world's best football clubs. What was it like to play against Galatasaray? Um, I, uh, I didn't play against Galatasaray. I mean, we trained, we prepared for the game. Um, my family are Galatasaray supporters, actually, so it was <laughs> a bit of a... Um, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny with Dad and Granddad. You know, they're passionate supporters, so... You know, they, they support me, but at the same time support their team. Um, I think I think the, the key thing over there is just the passion. I mean, the, the people uh, live and breathe football. I mean, we'd go on away trips, and once you're on an away trip, even from the airport, the moment you land, one of the bus people are, you know, they're throwing rocks at the bus if they have to, lighting flares. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's, it's very, very passionate over there. Um, yeah. So, look, it was definitely an experience um, for me, yeah. It's a nice way of putting it, you know, your life at risk, calling it passionate fans. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I see it differently, but that's okay. Hey, uh, Aaron, I just want to talk about how have you found uh, the adjustment with the club? Obviously, uh, they had a good year last year, uh, new coach in Nick Montgomery, uh, and I think yep. the introduction of a whole lot of young players and players that have been involved with the academy program I think it's a, a really good and positive message that they're sending to uh, a lot of the kids on the coast that there will be opportunities for, for players uh, to play in that yellow jersey 100% I think uh, the club's got a really good um, foundation now we uh, have that good balance between a few of the older more experienced players and that youth youthfulness coming through and um, I think it shows we have some, some star young players who are coming in and, and doing well. Um, and, yeah, the, the club's based off family, and, uh, and I think that's what it is. The, the young players, the old players, everyone gets along. Uh, along. We're a tight-knit group. Um, and, yeah, that's what I love about the club, to be honest. The, that, uh, that friendship that, that, yeah, that friendship gets us through. Um, and I think that showed even in the FFA Cup game, getting down to 10 men, um, half-time, if you just have a look at the faces of all of the boys, we had 100% belief. We trusted one another, and I think that's, that's going to take us a long way this season. Yaron, uh, Sydney FC, they actually, actually played the FFA Cup during the week, and they defeated MacArthur yep. 2-0. Uh, Monty says that's, that's no advantage, the fact that Sydney FC played midweek. What are you expecting tomorrow night from the Sky Blues? It's staggering that they're in 11th place on the table and yet to register a win in the A-League men so far this year. Exactly. Look, Sydney FC are always a strong size, and um, I think, yeah, but they might... Not have had the best start to the season, but they're still uh, full with quality players. Um, they've had a couple of injuries, injuries as well, unfortunately with uh, Bracken. 
gone down, and Ryan Grant, I think, that's positive to COVID. So, uh, but they're, they're, they're a very strong side, and we expect them to be uh, coming out full force. But um, at the same time, we've had a full week to prepare. We've, uh, you know, as you said, we didn't have a game this week. They did, so we were all eyes on uh, on Sunday. So um, we just need to focus on ourselves and make sure we're right, and uh, hopefully we come away with the three points. Yeah, and first home game for the mm. Central Coast Mariners this season. Uh, boy, Yaron, I hope the house is rocking tomorrow night. It's a late game too, the late yeah, show. Yeah, 6 o'clock, I think. 6.20. 6.20, there you go. Are you calling, Steve? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, so I'll be calling with Paul Wade, former Australian captain on SEN tomorrow night and can't wait for the match. Yaron, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to uh, get to know you a little over mm. the radio this morning. We wish you all the best with your recovery and look forward to seeing you back on the field in this campaign. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, awesome chat to you. Yaron Sosa uh, from the Central Coast Mariners, goalkeeper along with Mark Birigitti, and a young man came on. When, when I saw the highlights, mm. I thought, what in the world has happened to Yaron Sosa? Because a 17-year-old keeper came on against MacArthur. Yeah, right, OK. And clearly, you know, the injury occurred. and Yeah, it's a big loss for him, and obviously it's going to take a long time to recover that injury, especially if it's come off the bone, etc. So, you know, we wish him a speedy recovery because uh, it's going to be important. Uh, it's always nice to have that pressure uh, on the on the top side, uh, and those quality players waiting in the wings for that opportunity. Hey, it's it's game day, and I can't believe the guy we call the benchmarkers sent us a text. Uh, North Sydney Bears are in action this morning. They certainly are. And uh, he says, TC says, love the show, boys. Michael has a future as a town planner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it. Urban sprawl. Lots of people living here. It's all happening. Hey, uh, speaking of TC, the Danica <laughs> Clark Foundation scholarships are open for oh, yeah. the class of 2022. So if you're an aspiring young athlete between the ages of 12 and 25, jump on the Danica Clark Foundation website and you never know, you could be a scholarship holder in 2022. It's the, the most prestigious list in Central Coast Sport. Mm. We're off to a break. Back in just a moment, live from BJ Howes at Charm Haven. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from BJ Howes at Charm Haven. The boys from Central Coast Trailers and Tow Bars have just pulled up on this beautiful Saturday morning. I'll tell you who else. JW has come in. I thought he was coming into the pit lane at Bathurst. Yeah. He came in hot in the four-wheel drive. <laughs> I thought he was drifting a bit. There was a little bit of sideways movement. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Bathurst, Lightning Luke King oh. joining us at 10.30. Now, I caught up with him for MBN News yesterday, and, mm. you know, he actually went to ground for a few days after Bathurst. He was devastated. Uh, he ended up dropping from second on the championship points to fourth, had dreadful luck, ran off the track, almost flipped in qualifying. In race two, he started on pole and got bumped on either side and spun off and couldn't finish the race. Now, if he had have got back on track, mm -hmm. he would have finished third in the series this year. The final race, he showed his real character. He finished fourth in the, in the final race of the season. Uh, on times... Very comparable to Chaz Mostert, who went on and won the Bathurst 1000, Burko. Yeah, look, uh, he had a fantastic series, uh, Luke did, and it's just unfortunate that one weekend you have, and that, it's such a cutthroat business down yeah. there that the racing you have, 
you know, he said he was a bit slow off the start, which is normally one of his strong points, and he's just struggled a little bit with that. And when you talk about matters of seconds or, or parts of seconds, the difference between you know a podium finish and, and missing out and dropping down to fourth, but yeah, yeah, this, com- very comparable with Chas Moss, who had a great weekend. What a great weekend he had, Chas. The car was unbelievable. How quick it was, and it just proved on the day uh, how superior it was as a vehicle uh, because. And, you know, it's a race that always delivers. Like, uh, yeah. we're probably, Butch, you're a little younger than Burkheim myself, but we'd remember the Moffat, uh, Colin Bond, one, two. Yeah. Like, you know, the great Fords. And, you know, that's something that happened in Ford versus Ferrari, if you remember. Yeah. All, all the way back, uh, you know, to the, the famous race at Le Mans. Mm. So, and then Peter Brock, Peter Perfect, arm out the window, King sets the a mountain. new... Sets yeah. a new lap record. Just yeah. incredible. Yeah, Dick Johnson. Who, who can forget The Rock? Oh, out there, you know, yeah. When he's trying to win it, it's just yeah, plenty of great stories at, at Bathurst. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's iconic in Australian it, sport. It is. And it consistently provides. And it never disappoints. And, and the same was on the weekend. Like, oh, I sat there for the last three hours just glued to the TV. Yeah. And it's the only time I actually sit down and watch the, the, uh, the supercars. But I love it. And you know what? I can't wait to talk to Luke because uh, the Formula One... It's a big weekend this weekend. It is dead set even. Verstappen and Hamilton are on the same amount of points going into this last race. It is phenomenal. They've got no chance of finishing those two. They'll take each other out. And if they do, they'll take each other out. If they do, Max Verstappen ends up winning the championship because he's uh, on a count back. He's had more wins. He's had more wins. Just one thing about Bathurst. It's also become a race where because of the safety car, it's almost become like a sprint finish. Yep. N- nearly every year in the last four or five years, back in the old days, you could win by a lap or more. Uh, I still remember seeing some vision of the Mini winning at Bathurst on an old dirt track. Yeah, it's quite funny. Look at Bathurst now. Bathurst now starts at 12 o'clock before it used to start yeah. at 10 o'clock. That's just how quick the cars have got over, yeah. over time. Yeah, that's hey, true. Let's go to Marty Love, who's going to join us uh, for a couple of minutes here before we go up to the news. And, Marty, good morning. Uh, you're going to share with some of our listeners some vital information about holiday programs for kids this summer. Yeah, thanks, Steve and Vince. Um, look, we've the Office of Sport has partnered with uh, Regional News uh, New South Wales Regional Youth, and we've got uh, lots of holiday programs happening right across the state for kids, because we know they've you know, done it pretty tough over the last few years, especially regional youth. They've had drought, they've had bushfires, uh, they've had floods and uh, COVID as well to deal with. So right across the state this summer um, at all offices of sport, sport and recreation camps, there's lots and lots of activities. So here on the Central Coast, we have uh, Milton Island down on the Hawkesbury River, who's running residential programs, and Point Wollstonecroft, which is up near Gwondolin, and they're running day programs for kids. Yeah, I tell you, I'd love to be a part of this. What, what are some of the activities they can do? Oh, there's a whole range of different activities, uh, adventure courses, um, lots of water sports, of course, stand-up paddleboard, canoeing, kayaking, um, yeah, lots and lots of fun, archery, of course is always a favourite, and it's for kids uh, who are 12 to 15 years. Marty, how do parents go about finding out information about this? Do they get online? What's the story? Yeah, absolutely. If you just look up um, the sport.newsouthwales.gov.au, um, all the information is on there about the holiday break programs. Yeah, fantastic. And is there overnight stays involved as well, if need be? 
Uh, there is at Milson Island. Milson Island running residential programs, so three-day residentials. And um, up at Point Milson Croft, we're just running day programs for kids so they can come yeah. in for the day. And, hey, what a shame the uh, the Dragon Boats were called off a couple of weeks ago at Point Wollstonecroft. Will they be rescheduled? Yeah, they are. They've been rescheduled for March the 6th, so we're really looking forward to that. Um, we're running quite a number of regattas of all different disciplines up there at the moment, so it's, it's really good fun. Yeah, fantastic. Marty, a pleasure to have you on the show. We always love talking to you. Uh, sorry we've got to cut it short, but we're on our way to the news. Marty Love with Not the holiday programs. One more time, just that website if people want to find out more. Uh, sport.newsouthwales.gov.au Yeah, beautiful. Off to the news. This is Saturdays on the Coast. We're back with Steve Graham. Matty has qualified oh. fourth in the Moguls in Sweden, uh, week two of the World Cup Series. We'll find out more right after 10. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from BJ Howes at Charm Haven in Ohart Close. And loving it. You've been inside the store, Butte. So we've got the Butcher's Knives on special. Oh. Slash from 135 down to 95. You need them this time of year, Steve, I'm telling you. And Turkey, the, chicken, ham, you name it. Slicing it up. And the gasless welder's kit. Mm. Now, now that's the one. I mean, 395 Now, Scotty and Josh, they reckon they could do a deal on that, maybe down to 350 And you name it. Like, uh, do you need to redo your gate where you live? I know you're in a unit. Yeah, but no. If you need uh, to, look, even if it had to be done, I won't be doing it. Hey, okay. before I forget, I really want to mention Faith Nathan, Berkeley Vale girl who went to the Olympics in Tokyo. And Faith was fantastic in Tokyo, no doubt about it, but a disappointing campaign for the reigning Olympic champions. Mm-hmm. They have bounced back emphatically, and Faith was player of the final in Dubai, scoring the first try for the Aussies and also setting one up, Berko. Yeah, look, it's a fantastic. They were disappointing, definitely, at, at the Olympics, yep. and they've come back really strong now. So it's a have that win back-to-back, and great to see Faith doing so well also. Yeah, fantastic young lady. Uh, we invited her on the show, and she said any time after lunch would be good because the celebrations are still underway, oh, Butes. Of course. Any time you get that sort of win, then why not? Why wouldn't you be celebrating? Just talking about lunch there, I, I saw Butes just ducking into BJ's house. He'd come back out. I thought, thought he'd come out with a catalogue about the world and that. And I look over, he's got the actual lunch menu. Yeah, it's a menu, mate. I'm starving. I got up this morning, had a train. Yeah. And then it's a 40-minute trip up here. So I just had to go home, a quick shower, bang, and then get straight up so here. So that's, your, that's your 100 burpees? Yeah, I got them <laughs> done. Yeah I, yeah, I had a boxing session this morning. So, Hey, Burko, just before we go to Steve Graham with an update on Sweden and the World Cup moguls, mm. uh, this time last week we were broadcasting live from the country championships, the regional bash. Uh, tell us how that unfolded. Yeah, look, a great weekend um, for both the men and, and women. The women played on Friday evening and then on the Saturday where we actually broadcast from and uh, Newcastle and, and Coffs Chargers, they were actually finished the top two and were able to progress through to the, the finals day, which is going to be held in North Sydney in, in February. And the Central Coast girls, they didn't, didn't actually manage a win over the weekend, but fantastic experience for them. They're all local girls who played our local competition, so they'll certainly benefit from that experience. But one thing we did notice was just, just the quality of, of female cricketers out there now is just unbelievable. Uh, Unbelievable, and the, the young girls coming through—they've been playing cricket now for half a dozen years or more, and there's plenty of talent there that that augurs well. We spoke to Lauren about the future of, of women's cricket; it's certainly in good hands with some of these girls coming through. Rep side selected. 
Uh, yeah, so the men, the men play again tomorrow. So they've got the, their regional bash is, is playing their third round uh, tomorrow up at uh, Raymond Terrace. So um, most of them have got... Um, yeah, they've, they've lost both their two games last Sunday as well against both Newcastle sides. That was a little bit disappointing, but they're going to pick uh, on Tuesday. They're going to select their side that will play in the Men's Open Country Championships, which is going to be played at the end of January. So a bit to play for for the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's go live now because I got a text last night, or mm-hmm. actually first thing this morning, and it said, forget about cricket, Steve-O. Winter sports is where it's at with Matt Graham qualifying fourth in Sweden in the World Cup moguls. Let's go live to a guy we like to call the hot dog. In fact, I'm giving him yeah, a standing ovation. Get up. Uh, Steve Hot Dog Graham. Good morning, mate. Hey, boys. How you going? Steve and Brutes. Butch, good to be back on the show, mate. <laughs> uh, good hot dog. It's good to have you back, mate. Seriously, when you're back, it just means that there is exciting times coming up. How's the boy going, mate? Mate, he had a good... He had a, he had a, Bit of a rough trot last weekend in uh, Finland. Rook had finished in 10th, but um, jumped out of the blocks last night in qualifying for a uh, fourth qualifier. Um, so that's, he's in the finals tonight out of 16 men. So that's good news. Uh, live with a live stream from about 11 o'clock tonight. Yeah, we should you be able told to check us... it all out. But, mate, there's so much winter sports happening, boys. It's incredible. Did you hear about, did you hear about the Aussie team, the mixed team, qualifying for the Olympics in the in the curling. Never been oh. done before. Yeah. That's where they get so that bloody broom. That. That's where they get that broom <laughs> yeah. and they sweep that thing crazily as that some big iron or big rock is thrown down the uh, the rink. Is that right? Mate, it's unbelievable. Dean Hewitt, it is, it is beautiful. Dean Hewitt and Tarly Gill, first ever Australian qualifiers in the curling up against all those Canadians and Euros. And, mate, it's going to be incredible to see that on the big screen when that comes around in Beijing in a couple of months' time. Well, hey, Burke, so happy uh, for about, him, mate. It's a first. Well, what about uh, watching Buttes? Uh, I mean, you're looking at the next Bruce McAvaney, how technical <laughs> he is when it comes to sport. <laughs> mate, he, not much he doesn't know about there. Like, the way he was talking about curling there, the broom and the big rock. And it's, it's, mate, mate he, he, had it, he had it perfect. You know what I do? I set the scene for the layman. Right? I set the scene for the, the layman, hit, and the they hit. know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, speak to me mate, like we, I'm a four-year-old. <laughs> Hot dog, what about, some of the other, what about some of the other performances, mate? Um... We've oh, seen. Look, we had World Cup. We had we had World Cup in the women's aerials last night. That was back in Rooker in Finland as well. And Gabby yep. Ash, the local girl from up the mountain, mate, she finished thirteenth again. Just oh. missed the twelve, which goes through to the finals, but so close. You know, she put down a fantastic jump. You know, eighty point nine five. Just missed by a smidge to get through to the final twelve. But mate, she'll get there next time. There's another one on tonight for the girls. And it's a yeah, one and run, it's a one jump wonder, so they can come out with their big jumps right from the get go. Because with aerials, they can't repeat their tricks. So oh. every time they have a run, they've got to do a different jump. But tonight, it's just one run, bring out, bring out, yeah. bring out the big jumps and um, go hard and or go home. You know, so hopefully she can um, do better than twelfth and, and maybe maybe get in the top ten, which is which would be awesome for for a little Abby up. You know, over there in Rooker. And then in, in, in Montefiore in Austria, Bill Brockhoff, second yep. in a World Cup over there. Wow. You know, like Australians on fire all over the world <laughs> in all the disciplines. It's so great to see. And tonight there's more there's more action with the um, with the snowboard cross again and aerials and moguls. It's just happening all over, all in that all in that European side of the world. Yeah, you know what Hot Dog has done here? 
He's compiled an actual report. Yeah. I mean, this is like professional from the hot dog. Normally, he just <laughs> wings it like you. Yeah, correct. Hey, I'll tell you one thing about Abby Wilcox, and we love Abby, and hopefully she'll make the Australian Winter Olympics team. But she is coming back from an ACL butte, and it really shows the character of Abby that she's even back on the snow and landing some of these jumps. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for her to come out with the buttes. Is Maddie still working on that uh, hot dog? Mate, he is. He is. But he's. Um, we're we're going to rename the back the back double full to the Buttes just for the Aussies, mate. Just for you, Buttes. Excellent. So mate, we've no, got that, that down pat now. He, he's stomping that landing all the time now. The, the, the back flip with two twists, mate. It's a cracker of a jump now. And so he's doing a full DD, and um, you know, doing it pretty comfortably. <laughs> for the layman at home, what's the DD? <laughs> just so I can explain it to them, mate. That's all. All right, just for you, Buttes, mate. It's the degree of difficulty uh, that relates to the jump. Yeah. Gotcha, so, now, um, you did, you did yeah. tell us something, Steve, about the the slope of the course. Now, it's different to last week in Finland. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, normally they're used to about a 28-degree course, which is pretty steep for the average punter up there on the hill, and it's covered in moguls, of course, with a couple of jumps, as, as most people on the coast are aware of these days with all the footage, thanks, thanks to you and MBN, Steve-O. But... Um, 28 degrees is what the athletes are used to, but last night in um, Idra Fall in Sweden, it was down at 22 degrees instead of the normal oh. 28. So what that tends to do, it makes it, it's a bit of a leveller for the field. So the, 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 the skiers that aren't quite at the top end, it's, the course is easier for them because it's not yes. as steep. Um, it brings the field so much closer together, um, which puts a lot of extra pressure on the judges to get it right. Uh, when they're judging the skiing, so it's yeah, yeah, I like to see it a bit steeper. I think I think Matt does too. Matt loves twenty-eight plus degrees and um, plenty of ice. They call him the icebreaker the, these days. The icebreaker, mate. Oh, I'm just curious, how is he travelling, mate? Look, we're eighty days away or so from the Olympics. How's his preparation? Is he happy with where he's at? Are you happy with where he's at? And uh, I dare say, uh, is he excited about what's coming up because he had such a a, a great uh, last Olympics, picking up that silver medal. Um, is he feeling any sort of pressure that comes with that? And also, Steve, just uh, quickly, is he, not... is he feeling any external noise that we're starting to hear about athletes going to China? Yeah, look, he did. He did just on that on that topic, Steve. I'll come back to yours in a minute, Butes. But um, yeah, look, he's had a couple of contacts from a few newspapers and the like in regards to comments from him with the diplomats boycotting the Olympics, but. He's not, he's not at all focused on that. And look, let's face it, you know, they're, they're the diplomats. It's a great holiday for them. I wish I could get a holiday like that. Um, we have to pay for ours, I guess, when we go over to watch the Olympics. So, mm. look, they're focusing on the sport. Um, you know, second at the last Olympics. That was four years ago. Um, funnily enough, the top six are still the top six. You know, the guys mm. that all qualified six last night were the top six from the end of last season. And with the inclusion of, say, Ludwig Falstrom and Brody Summers from Australia, Ludwig's from Sweden, you know, the top six is still the same um, as what it has been for pretty much four years. So um, as the young guns come through, and there's been a couple of good American kids come through, um, Nick Page and Cole McDonald, they showed good signs last weekend. They're only young guys. Uh, I, think, I think Cole McDonald's only 18, and you know, once upon a time Matt was 18 a long time back, but... Um, got to keep an eye over their shoulder but I think the big guns just keep stepping up and the sport keeps going to new levels and you know it's sort of everything's moving upwards but pressure wise not a lot of pressure at this stage um, 
And even if there was, Matt loves the pressure of standing in the start gate. It's never really bothered him to any real degree. Um, he just, I think he goes better when it's under pressure. But no pressure from last results or last year's overall rankings and that sort of stuff. It's a new season. And um, you just got to stomp the landings and try and win the judges over. Yeah, he's a pretty cool cat like his old man, eh, the hot dog? Yeah, that, that's a great answer. But I... I really think when you said about the top six hasn't changed, you could look at probably any sport around the world. And, like, if you looked at tennis, for instance, yeah, we've got the big three, haven't we? Yeah. So, you know, they're still there, yeah. although Federer might be on the way out. If you look at the World Surfing Tour, you've still got Gabrielle Medina, who's setting the pace, and John John Florence. Uh, same, I guess, uh, there's a changing of the guard, definitely, with the women's tennis. That That's for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean... It's the usual suspects in Beijing, and it's going to come down to who can nail it on the night as to who will finish on the podium, because any one of them, I guess, hand the medal to Mikhail Kingsbury, the greatest of all time, but then second and third, well, hopefully Matty can bump him out of that top spot. Yeah, it's been interesting, Steve, because um, Mikhail's like 29 and a half. He'll be closer to 30 at the next Olympics in, in February. Um, and just just this season, you know, I saw, you know, in years gone by, you'd see him win the qualifying round, he'd win the first final, and he'd win the medal round um, week after week after week. But just there in Rooker, you know, he was back at fourth at one stage. Last night, he only qualified third for the finals. Um, so you've got the likes of Akuma Horoshima from Japan. That's, yeah, he slowed down a little bit, but he qualified first last night. Um, and they're just sort of, it just seems that they're focusing more now on, on being absolutely perfect with their skiing and their jumps, and in particular, the landing. That's what beat Matty last week, was his landing. He didn't quite stop that bottom air. And, you know, what was a really, really, really good run, um, just by not making that, that, just not sticking that bottom air landing, um, the judges really came uh, back to 10th. But no, it just shows you've got to just get that four-point landing, you know, skis and poles all hitting the ground at one time. I think what he's saying is, I think what the hot dog is saying, Mikhail, there's chinks in the armour. He's vulnerable. There is, most And it's time for Matty to strike. Yeah, uh, Mikhail, he'd be quivering in his boots that that, that Matty Graham's dad from down under. Yeah, he's he's called him out. He's He's called him out. That's what's happened. (laughs) Bit of of trash talk on SEN on a Saturday morning, and that's going to filter back to Sweden. Ah, look out. And into Beijing for next year. You could be a wanted man, hot dog. <laughs> oh, well, I'd be, happy to, I'd be happy to be a wanted man in that regard. And, and um, look, I think it's everyone's bootable and, like, they're really the big guns, you know, even, you know, you've got to throw in there um, Benny Cavett from France, you know. It's, it's, they're, they're really pushing each other really hard at the moment. It's great to see. It's fantastic watching. Yeah, the live like stream the... again, 11 o'clock tonight. Yes. Yeah, like the uh, footy teams that put up something in their dressing room, like a quote from someone or a photo. Yep. Uh, Mikhail's got... Mikhail's got Steve Graham. The hot dog. <laughs> in a bun. <laughs> He's got a picture of your head in uh, a bun. Great to have you on the show, Steve Graham. Uh, hot dog. Good and, on you, boys. Uh, be- best wishes to Matty tonight, round about 11 o'clock in Sweden, in the Moguls event, the reigning Olympic silver medalist in action And tonight. number one. Yeah. That's it. Uh, thanks, boys. Great to be on the show again. Take care. Steve Graham joining us. We're live from BJ House at Charmhaven. Back in just a few moments' time, we'll talk some rugby league. A lot of trial matches being played. And John Strange from the Central Coast Roosters will join us right after this on SEN.
BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. I hope your weekend's off to a flying start. We're live from BJ House at Charmhaven. Loving the morning too. And uh, they've got a couple of super specials, including the Butcher's Knives. They've been slashed from 135 down to 95. Now, that's this a good is, deal, isn't it? It's like a full professional set that they've got here. Yeah, that's fantastic. What a deal. $40 saving. You're almost saving like 30%. Oh, one like stipulation. You've just got to mention SEN. And, well, that's uh, not a bad stipulation. Well, Scotty and Josh, they'll take care of you. Uh, Scotty's been here for the last six years and a fantastic spot here in O'Hart Close in Charmhaven. Butes, you wanted to mention about a couple of notes you've got. Uh, Your extensive research, it's impressive on this Saturday morning. I think you're just trying to keep up with Gary Birkinshaw. Well, he is the king when it comes to cricket. And now I do want to mention, Gaz, and Ajaz, Ajaz Patel, the new, oh, sorry, yeah, the Kiwi, but was born in Mumbai, uh, actually played over there and picked up, and only the third player to do so, 10 wickets in an innings. A, a phenomenal effort. Yeah, that's a fantastic effort. Well, that's only the third person in history there. And uh, uh, what was even more amazing, he didn't win man of the match. That was, <laughs> that was just stunning. But <laughs> What do you got to do? <laughs> well, well, that reminds me. There is a story of Morris Goolagong who... He kicked 24 or 25 goals in a game and didn't pick up one Brownlow vote in the Black Diamond <laughs> AFL. I, I was hosting the awards and there was some there was some laughter around the room from the Terrigal table and I, I said, what's happening, boys? Yeah. They said that was a game where Morris kicked 25 goals and didn't pick up one vote. People see, see the game differently, Steve, don't they? Yeah, yeah. clearly they do. But, uh, well, but you know that, what? Yeah, the, one of the things I want to touch on is Cummins, his first test as captain, obviously... Had a great start. Picks up a Pfeiffer, which was outstanding. Cameron Green picked up his first test wicket, which yep. was great. Yep. Also picked up a Golden Duck. Now, seriously, Burko, it does my head in any player that doesn't play a shot and gets bowled. You know what, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, well, I reckon just of my own observation, I reckon that's probably the third time this year in Shield cricket as well that he's actually done that. Mate. He's let the ball go and... Uh, yeah. Got a bat there to use, Butes. That's what it's there for. Use it. It does my head in. I cannot stand players that do that. I I don't know why, how. Your eye's not in that that good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Matthew Hayden for a while didn't offer a shot? Like, it took him a while to cement his place. The thing about that, and that's funny you should mention that, because one of the things I remember so vividly is Matthew Hayden um, shouldering arms to Kirtley Ambrose at the MCG Boxing Day test. And he came out and said, look, if I had my time again... I would actually play the same shot. You get bowled again. It's just, it's just beggar's belief. Don't know why you. Ah, well, yeah. well, but, well played. But, but Cameron Green just his, his whole mindset was he was going to let that ball go no matter, no matter what. That, what. That was his, his his mindset around and, it. And boys, just before we talk some rugby league, I was fortunate to cover the tennis in Gosford on Monday. Hmm. It was an ANZ Championship match, and the head coach there, John O'Cooper, was up against a young man from Sydney, twenty-year-old, called Adrian Correa. And fantastic game. Didn't look like a 6-2, 6-1 victory, but John O'Cooper's 30. He's had a world ranking, and he's playing a young man trying to force his way onto the tour. And Adrian Correa's talking about now going to Europe to get some more experience. But fantastic game. And John O'Cooper, as the head coach, was really great to watch him afterwards. He went over to the young man, told him a couple of things about his game, like LeBron does in the NBA. Did you call the game? Uh, no, we covered it for NBN. Ah, but gotcha. Also, while we were filming that game, 
alongside me were you know, a couple of girls looked like they might have been nine or ten. It was like watching Chris Evert versus Martina Navratilova. The baseline rallies for these two young girls were phenomenal, but every court was full of players, and it kind of fills your heart with joy to see grassroots tennis at that level. And I know that Jackie DeVivo and her son Nick DeVivo, they're, they're part of the Danica Clark family. Yep. And he's got a real opportunity, Nick DeVivo, to play at a high level as well. So best wishes to everyone, and we'll start talking some more tennis well, over the summer. And I think Ash Barty's got a lot to do with that. You know, the, the rise of female tennis and, and tennis in Australia because of her performances over the last four or five years. Been phenomenal. Yeah, definitely performances and certainly the way she goes about it. Mm. On the flip side, also read this week that Bernard Tomic's come out and says that he's going to make a real fair and crack at tennis again. Like Blah, 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 <laughs> blah. Bernard and that other guy, with yeah. Nick with a silent D. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know what? Those guys, I don't have any time for at all. I'll tell you, but he's a fantastic player, Kyrgios. Yes, he yeah. is a fantastic player. Oh, sorry, you, know? you didn't want me to say his name. No, no, he is a fantastic player, but he's also a fantastic fool. I think, he's, I think he's turned around, though. I think he's absolutely turned around since the COVID. I think he's yeah. been a very outspoken and very taken the moral high ground in relation to that. He's been a great ambassador around that, yes. the, the health of that. So I think he's turned around slowly. I think he's on court before. His on-court behaviour will never change. I think that's just the way he is, and I think it's a lot of that's made up for him to for himself to get himself up and and uh, and that. But well, um, well it ain't working because he it's not having no. the success. He's obviously very talented, but just not getting the job done. Well, just not committed enough. That, yeah, that's the big thing there. Hey, exactly we right. kept we kept this guy waiting too long. Let's go to John Strange. Uh, there's plenty of junior trials on this morning. Uh, John, good morning. Sorry to keep you waiting so long, and can you? Paint a picture for us. What unfolds this morning in local footy? Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, good to chat to you again. Um, yeah, so we've got some trials. Obviously, um, yeah, the boys haven't played footy for months and months and months with COVID. So we've got Andrew Johns and Laurie Daly Cup squads heading up to Foster to take on North Coast Bulldogs. And um, our SG ball side, the Merge SG ball side, down at um, taking on North at TJ Milner Field. So... Um, yeah, look, really exciting. Just yeah, all the kids are, um, yeah, just can't wait to get out on the field. But um, and our Howard Matt squad under 17s, they're going to, uh, they're starting off their trial period next week down at Maury Breen with all the other sides. So yeah, look, just really exciting for the uh, for the kids to get the ball in their hand and get out and tackle someone again. Yeah, it'd be great for them to, to experience that again. It's been a while, mate. Um, I also believe that uh, next week uh, you start to reduce your squads. Yeah, that's right. So what we've had, we've had to do a little bit different this year. With because of COVID, we couldn't actually have any trials, and we normally have trials, and we pick our squads and and we just roll through without cutting anyone. But uh, because we didn't have trials, we had to pick larger squads, and then we've just given the kids since November one an opportunity to state their claim, I guess, at training and uh, impress the coaches, and then they'll obviously get um, how Matt's boys will get one trial on top of that, and Johns and Daly and SG Ball will have two trials. So. Yeah, look, after uh, after our trial next weekend, um, the yeah, the coaching staff for all the all the squads will get together and, and then cut their squads down to around sort of 22, 23 kids where at the moment they've sort of got 35 in each squad. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, it's a different way we're doing it, but uh, obviously we've, we've had to do all that way with COVID and, you know, um, trying to be fair to, fair to all the kids and give them a, a crack to... Like I said, impress at training and um, and then hopefully uh, impress on the uh, on the field in these trials. Gee, I, I feel for a lot of junior players. I feel for like reserve grade or New South Wales mm. Cup level players yep. who, yeah, you know, they've missed so much footy. But what about the NRLW? Because 
frustrating for the women as well, and we're seeing women's sport flying everywhere else in every other code. What about the NRLW? They're back in early January, is that correct? Yeah, obviously it's been yeah well documented. It's been pretty hard for the girls. We were sort of stop-start. We thought the comp was going to get going a couple of times, and then it was sort of pulled again. And, um, yeah, so, look, it's it's been a little bit of a challenge for the girls, but we've had, we had a session last week... Uh, with a lot of our squad, not everyone, because we've got uh, one of the girls is back in New Zealand and, and can't come over till January, and we've got six girls up in Queensland that, once again, with the border restrictions, uh, can't come together until January. So, mm. yeah, we had a session last week. We're going to have one one session with the girls that are available next week. Um, but really, it's just all going to come together uh, the 10th of January when we can officially all start and get our, get our total squad um, and then get together there. So... But the other girls that are sort of um, in those regions, they're just doing um, our S and C's just set up on our on our team builder program, just some fitness and strength programs. Uh, I've been doing some Zoom sessions with them, try, just trying to give them an understanding of, of how we're going to play. And um, yeah, so look, that's all good and well. They're doing their best, but yeah, they just all can't wait to get together and actually get on the field and, and train as one team. So yeah, well, look. I'm really looking, as the coach, I'm really looking forward to January coming around, that's for sure. Hey, uh, John, we've got uh, Gary Birkinshaw with us, the world's best administrator, and he told me a, a fact about you uh, before we came on the air this morning. Pick up the story, Burko. Yeah, John, uh, had an interview, or listened to an interview during the week from Hannah Southwell, the Australian and New South Wales lock forward, and she actually described you as the best coach she's ever had. That's a fair rap. Yeah, mate, it is. She's said that a couple of times. Uh, which, mate, it is a big rap because she's played, you know, um, AFL and and rugby union for Australia and that sort of thing. But look, I get on really well with Hannah. I've coached, coached her for a couple of years, and um, I guess the way I coach coach these players, the the girls and the boys, and I've coached them, I just try and work with them one on one and help them improve as best they can. So look, we get on really well. Um, she's an awesome girl, and yeah, she's she's really easy to coach, to be honest. So um, yeah, no, look, it is it is a big rap, but um, look, yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping she just keeps going on the trajectory that she is, and you know, I've got uh, look, it won't be far off till she's voted uh, Golden Boot with the best player in the world, if you ask me. She's, she's outstanding. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Apologies, we've got to cut it short. We're off to the news, but uh, thanks for joining us on the penultimate show of the year on SEN. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Speak soon. Uh, the great John Strange joining us, who's done an enormous job on the Central Coast with the Roosters and also yeah. uh, head coach of the NRLW at the Sydney Roosters. We're off to the news. We're back in just a moment. We'll talk some motorsport. Lightning Luke King is next after a tumultuous weekend at Bathurst. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Good morning. We're live from BJ Howes in Charmhaven. Let's throw back to the studio momentarily. Uh, Adam Staples is there, the stapler who we love, who steers the ship for us. And uh, Adam, what time do we get underway at the Gabba today? And we've got full coverage on SEN. Yeah, we do. Uh, we've actually had the first over bolt already, Steve. No change to that score. Two for 220. Still Lions just about to start the second over of the day. Bowling to Joe Root. Yeah, what's been the highlight for you? Travis Head? Oh, that's got to be amongst the highlights. But uh, look, for me, uh, it was nice to see the England comeback because I'm obviously I'm, I'm an Australian fan. But, you know, you like 
close test cricket. You like cricket that's, you know, that's not one-sided. And in my opinion, uh, it's been a great way to start uh, the Ashes series uh, for, t you know, 2021-22. Yeah, fantastic, mate. You're exactly right, too, because we want the Aussies to win, but we don't want it over and done with in three days, do we? Or do we just want to rub the Barmy Army's nose in it, Burko? What are your thoughts, mate? Rubbing the Barmy Army's nose is not too bad, but I think we all like competitive <laughs> cricket. I yeah. think that yeah, we want we want it to go into the fifth day. We want a real real good contest between bat and ball between both sides, and uh, and England's fight back uh, certainly does it. I think leading into the the Test series, I think we did expect that. I think the batting on both sides was always going to be a little bit in how you're going, but the bowling's fairly strong. Although England leaving out obviously Anderson and Broad as we spoke about certainly gave the advantage to Australia in that, but. Yeah, they fought back really well, England, and um, yeah, it's a big day today. Hey, Adam, just checking. Have we got lightning, Luke King? Yes. Ah, oh, beautiful. Time to talk some motorsport. My. In fact, I think we rise as one Get your yet motor again. Running. And this is for uh, Luke King, motorsport champion, finished fourth in the TCR Australia Series after such a challenging weekend at Bathurst. And, Luke, I'll start with the question I asked you yesterday. Is there just a love-hate relationship with the mountain for you after what unfolded last weekend? Mate, I, I think there is with, uh, with most drivers who go up to the mountain, unfortunately. Sometimes the, uh, the gods are with you and, and sometimes they're not. And they, uh, they certainly weren't with us last weekend. But uh, we, we made it through, mate, and I'm, I'm just thankful we finished that final race in good form. Hey, let's start with the qualifying, which some of our listeners may or may not have seen, but uh, you were lucky not to roll it. You told me yesterday you actually put the handbrake on and you thought momentarily that was a bad decision. Talk us through that moment at what, about 260, 270 kilometres an hour? Yeah, yeah, the TCR cars are doing between 260 and 270 through the chase, and that was actually just after we'd made it into the top 10 shootout for TCR, so... That was my first flying lap, and we were about three tenths up on uh, on Chaz Mozart's time at that point. So it was, it was the lap was looking good enough to put us in the top four. And I've, I've come into the chase as committed as anything, and I've probably gone about five metres past my normal brake marker. So mega committed, um, jumped on the brakes, and the car just didn't stop. So um, as I sort of approached the chase in the apex of, of that corner. I thought, um, I've seen people nose over the gravel trap there before and make it to the fence. So I thought I'll, I'll pull the handbrake, a bit of a parachute, try and spin myself around and wipe off some speed. And uh, as it spun and hit the grass, I was thinking that uh, milk was a bad choice that, that day because it looked like the, yeah. the car, well, it felt to me like the car was going to flip. Um, but luckily, yeah, the, uh, the hand of God just came down and, and settled us back into the gravel, which uh, was pretty lucky. Yeah, I dare say, mate, that's the probably the last place on earth that you want to not have your brakes working, coming down that uh, straight there and heading into the chase. Uh, but obviously you handled it well, mate, and uh, congratulations on a good season. I know you're disappointed with how it all played out for you, but um, a great season nonetheless. Uh, you're talking about the uh, the racing gods. Um, they were certainly shining for Chaz Mostert, your uh, teammate, because he was not only outstanding in the Audi car, but also what he did uh, in the big race was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, big, massive congrats to, to Chaz and his engineer, Adam DeBora and all the team at, at Walkinshaw. They um, they did a mega job over the weekend. I don't think I've seen such a faultless weekend from, from a supercar team up there. They were top three in, in pretty much every session of the weekend. Um, 
it was it was interesting watching Chaz in the TCR because there was obviously a bit of pressure on him to try and seal off the, the championship by race one. Um, and when I when when we we're in our second practice or sorry our first practice session and I'd seen Chaz had put the Audi into the fence, it kind of you know it was both good and bad for us because I, I obviously had more of a sniff of the the championship at that point and. And that was an, uh, a time we could have taken advantage of it, but there was also the uh, the fact that we were the only Audi left in that session because our uh, our German counterpart Chris Meads was also um, trapped in in isolation um, on his way out here. So we were the sole Audi out of out of three cars in uh, in practice two and and qualifying. And um, yeah, I think we we all did a good job to rally together and uh, and bring home a good result for the team. Hey, Luca, just tell us. You, you told me yesterday for MBN about how Chaz hit the wall, but give our listeners an insight into what a fine line it is on the racing line. Yeah, so uh, as you come up into that mountain section, it's pretty much like there's only one line, and, and you can see when, like, Brody Kostecki made an absolutely amazing pass across the top of the hill there in, in the 1000, but... You need, like, it, it's circumstantial as to whether you can actually make a pass there at, at that point. So when you go up there, especially for a qualifying lap, you're using pretty much every inch of road. So you need to be as wide as you can on the entry to a corner to be able to, to give yourself enough room to turn through and carry speed. So um, basically there was some oil slick that had been dropped by um, some cars in a previous session. And... It looked like to me that they'd just run out of sawdust to, to chuck on the road up there and they'd left a patch of a strip of oil just long enough at the turn-in point. So when you load up the car at that point, it was, it was slippery on the outside. So I kind of, as I said to you yesterday, I'd committed to just not using that part of road for, for that session. Um, and I think Chaz was, was the first one to really venture out there and see if there was any grip. And sure enough, there was no grip. And as soon as he turned in and loaded the car up, it just... It, swiftly uh, escorted him into the, the concrete barrier and um, caused a, a lot of damage to the rear of that car and it actually put the drive shaft through the gearbox so um, the boys mm. had to replace the gearbox overnight and I think they were up till about 4am to get that car ready for qualifying. Hey Luke, you said to me yesterday, now I don't know whether this was cone of silence but you know, everything is usable on the air. Uh, did, you yeah. feel like, did, did you feel like TCR Australia made a Maybe the wrong decision to go to Bathurst as a double header with the supercars. Do you feel like all year you've been standalone, and suddenly you felt like you might have been second fiddle? Yeah, I, I think like I've been like fairly vocal on that before. I think you know TCR need to stand on their own two feet. There, it's its own brand, and I think it does well. It's just got its own category, like it's got its own followers and fans. So. I think we we all needed to band together to get up to the 1000 weekend and and have have an event for the fans. But um, certainly the, the supercars took over that weekend and and we were very much a, a support category. Um, I think most of our races got cut short, which is is not ideal. Um, it's not what what our sponsors signed up for. But um, I think it was it was good at least that we got up there for the weekend and we were able to to get in front of some fans before the year was out. Um, in what's been such a such a poor year in terms of uh, uh, being able to carry out sporting events like like the 1000. Yeah, Luke, I got to say, mate, the the big race didn't disappoint, uh, and it never does. You know, when you look at uh, you know the trials, the tribulations, uh, the highs, the lows that go on for that six hours that the race is on, uh, it was just fantastic to see. Um, 
you know, the success that, you know, what the race brings. And, uh, you know, again, we touched on it earlier, but Chaz was outstanding. Uh, his uh, teammate, Lee Holdsworth, was uh, brilliant as well. But First they, win. Yeah, they, did, they didn't miss a trick, mate, at any stage. They were just phenomenal, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, you're right, touching on Lee as well. I mean, he's, he's been a great competitor for us in, in TCR this year. Um, but he was a faultless as a co-driver and really fast as well, which is a pretty lethal combination. Um, they do call him Lethal Lee, so uh, he lived up to his name on, on the weekend. Uh, but I, I think you've got to look back at, at Walkinshaw's time at the, the Port Sydney events that we had prior to Bathurst because they were absolutely nowhere in, on some of those weekends and it really looked like the team was struggling. And I've, I've got a feeling that they were actually using those four Sydney events as a, as a test weekend to get ready for the 1,000. Um, I know Chaz and Adam are pretty st- strategic like that with cast set up, so it wouldn't have surprised me if uh, if they'd put a, a bit of work in and sacrificed some of the, the, the results of those Sydney events to make sure they had exactly the package that they needed to go up and uh, pretty much destroy everyone at the 1,000, which is, is what they did. Yeah. Hey, Luke, can you stay with us? Uh, we've got one final commercial break, and then we'll come back and talk some Formula One because it is on. What a weekend, Luke. Uh, yeah, abso- absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, we'll come back in a moment. We're talking to Luke King, motorsport champion, finished fourth in the TCR Australia Series after a tumultuous weekend. That's the only way to describe it at Bathurst. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEM. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Welcome back. We're live from BJ Howes at Charmhaven on this Saturday morning. And in the words of Bill Laurie, got him. Got him, yes. Uh, tell us more, Adam. So uh, Gary Lyon, a.k.a. Nathan Lyon, has his 400th wicket. He does indeed. Dawid Milan. Caught Labashane off the bowling of Nathan Lyon. He just, uh, it was a little bat pad. He sort of got some bat on it. Um, and while it hit his pad, went to Labashane, who's who's there at uh, bat pad, and took a nice catch. So England 3 for 224, still trailing by 54 runs. And Milan made only two more runs from his overnight mm. score. Is that correct, Burko? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and 74 overs in, so six overs before the yeah. second new ball. Big wicket there. Get, get new batsmen in, second new ball. Well under the goat. Like, seriously. Like, you know, he's. Proven over time what a great bowler he is. And, you know, he probably, I don't know whether, you know, he looks unlikely. He looks all these things, right? He, he doesn't look like a cricketer. But you know what? He means a lot to that team. And for him to get 400 test wickets, a phenomenal performance. To take 400 wickets as an off-spinner in Australia yep. is, is phenomenal. I think that the next highest wicket-takers either with off-spins, either Tim May or Bruce Yardley, and they didn't, didn't take 200 test wickets. So, yeah. But what he's done is just fantastic. He, look, he looks a little like uh, Paul Kelly, oh, the correct. iconic Australian yes. singer mm. who's just released a Christmas album. Hey, um, by the way, uh, you sent me a text, Burko, through the week. You think the English order looks pretty thin. I mean, still to come, Ollie Pope, Joss Butler... Chris Wokes, Robinson, Wood, Leach. So this could be over by the end of the day. It could be over just after lunch. Yeah, look, uh, Ollie Pope's not a bad player. Stokes is obviously in, in now. And uh, Josh Butler, he's more of a one-day player. Um, yeah, and then, then below that, if this second new ball, it's you know, if the Australian get it on get it on song, and you know, they'll be very hard to play. Yeah, I, uh, I, agree. Uh, I agree. We're grinning wildly. Hey, uh, just before we go back to Luke King, uh, what about Sam Kerr? 
can you believe what we saw this week? The hip and shoulder. Uh, wouldn't look out of place in the AFLW, Burko. Yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't they? And got just come in there, just snuck in nicely. And, uh, yeah, hip, hip and shoulder. And the funny thing about it was, you know, she got a yellow card for that. Oh, Did she really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know it, what? The, this is where officials get it all wrong and, you know. And it'd only be an Aussie girl that would do that, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would only be an Aussie girl. But how, how, the thing is, how could he just be the spectator? How could he just be wandering on the field anyway? Yeah, yeah like, correct. This, you know, Sam Kerr hip and shoulders him, and then the security guards turn up. Imagine yeah. she he, she should have a yellow card. Like seriously, I don't I don't understand that. What happens if she had have done something serious to him? Would she got a red card? A couple of words for you: ludicrous, overzealous, and. He must have said something for Sam Kerr to react. I'd like to find out more about what he said on the field. But let's not forget, this is the third best player in the world, as voted mm. last week, who's taken action into her own hands. Yep. What a dangerous situation it was. We've, we've seen that ha- happen over the years. Terry Alderman. Yeah. But uh, in, in terms of a nutcase on the field. He just... Just looking at the vision, he just wasn't getting off. He wanted to go and have photos taken with one of the, the Ju- Juventus players. He wanted to get a photo. He just would not... <laughs> go off the ground and he was just wandering around and even turned around and started taking selfies which is when that's when Sam Kerr come in and virtually get off the ground. Was it Monica Sellers from memory? The stabbing? Stabbed, yes. Yeah, and I don't think she was ever the same since. Never. You no. can understand. Hey, let's go back to Lightning Luke King. We've got about three and a half to four minutes left. Uh, Lightning Formula One. It is on. Hamilton up against Verstappen. Who wins? Oh mate, it's it's a hard one to pick. I um, my my gut says go with with Hamilton. He's he's been there before. He's, he's done it. He's seen it all, and and he's certainly playing the the championship game right now. But uh, I think with the unpredictability of, of Max at the moment, like you just don't know what's going to happen in this championship. And for all we know, they could both go skating into each other at, at turn one and, and Max wins the championship by taking Lewis out. It's, it's happened before. We've seen it with Senna and Frost in, in Japan. So uh, yeah, we're in for a historic weekend. That's for sure. Luke, can I ask you, if that happens, right, how will that be yep. seen by people? All right, the public, the media, the officials. Right, if Verstappen right. just runs straight into Hamilton, takes him out, takes both of it, takes each other out, how will that be perceived and how will it be seen, mate? Because it wouldn't be good for the sport. It's, no, no. We, we want this to be decided on track. Um, I, I think it needs to be a, a duel out for the entire race. You know, best, best team with the best pit stop, um, you know, most reliable car, best racer should, should win this weekend. Um, if, if it was to happen like that, Michael Massey, our Australian race director, who we've heard a lot from um, over the telecast on Formula One, who, who's been getting hounded by Mercedes and Red Bull, has already come out and said that if there's, there's anything untoward that goes on throughout the weekend, he actually has the power to exclude someone from the championship. So mm. I think it's... Um, yeah, the, the warning has been put out there nice and early before the cars have even hit the circuit this weekend. So I think if we see anything like that go on, Buttes, um, there will be championship ramifications that, that come from it. So, you know, they'll be they'll be approaching it cautiously and it'll be, if one of them takes the other out, it'll be at their own risk because the, the risk of, um, of losing the championship by doing something like that is, is pretty real. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the highlight for me is Daniel Ricciardo winning this year at Monza. Uh, absolutely yep. sensational. Hey, Luke, you've got about 45 seconds. 
just tell us how proud you are that you're the you're the man that's come through everything from Toyota yep. 86s to TCR Australia, and you really are there flying the flag for the Central Coast for the first time, really, since Mark Scaife. Yeah, thanks, Steve. It's, uh, it is pretty cool. It's, it's, a, it's been a dream come true for, for us uh, this year, but also the, the journey that we've been on and you and, and Butes and, and everyone on in the Central Coast media has been on it with us, helping to, to push through. Um, we're, at the moment, we're talking to some of the team owners from Audi in Germany for the World Touring Car Championship and trying to make some headway over there. So, you know, I would have never thought that we'd be able to make it this far with the, the challenges that you face in motorsport with the, the funding that you need and sponsorship and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, you're right, mate. I am just really proud that we've, we've managed to make it this far and we're actually punching above our weight against guys like Chaz and, and doing the coast proud. Yeah, good on you, mate. We've got to go. Thanks to Gary Birkenshaw. Outstanding, guys. Thanks well done, to, buddy. Thanks to Josh Kine. Thanks to Adam back at headquarters. We'll catch you next week for the final show of the year.